You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. We are in the middle of a sermon series. It's called a summer sermon series. And I've really tried to kind of take almost the whole summer and devote it to something that I thought would be very practical, very helpful. And so it's been from the book of Proverbs. We've defined, we've uh, titled it Making Wise Choices. I've, I've often referred to the graphic. I, I love those arrows that help us to understand that there are other choices. There's a lot of different organizations, people, books, counsel that, uh, that oftentimes can get us making a choice that might be contrary to Solomon's advice in Scripture inspired by the Holy Spirit called the book of Proverbs. And so I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs chapter 12. And again, we only do that because we, we, we always love to have some sort of an open book, an open Bible, an open phone, something where you can look at at least a, a scripture or two, should you choose. Otherwise, they'll all be on the screen. Introduction. Oh, by the way, if you need a worship guide, raise your hand. Thank you, guys. And they'll get one to you. If there's anybody without one, we want to make sure you get one. So just keep your hand up long enough to where these guys can see it. Looks like they did a really good job this morning. That's awesome. I've said this every week. The book of Proverbs is not organized topically. Certain subjects come up over and over and over again. So I've kind of given this little idea that maybe as you listen to these messages, you might uh, decide on some sort of symbol that would identify the subject that the verses are speaking about. For instance, today is on friends, right? Friendships, friends. So maybe take the word F, circle it. That might be a nice little symbol. F, the letter F with a circle next to each verse that we look up in the book of Proverbs. This would give you a study guide, a way to identify these verses quickly as you study for yourself. After this message, maybe how the Holy Spirit is is helping you to process the truth that you received this morning. Let me begin by saying this. Friendship has fallen upon some hard times. I believe it's a subject that is not getting a lot of attention. It's amazing. Friendship's important. It's mentioned in the Bible often, but it's not given a lot of attention. We don't hear a lot about it even in church. Now, romance, whoo, romance is given a lot of attention. I mean, it's, it's all about romance, isn't it? Romantic relationships, even sexual relationships. And it's in every song. It's in every book. It's for sure in every movie. You just kind of wait till it comes. And there it is. Romance. And somehow we have devalued this matter of friendship. As though the person who has many great friends, but not one romantic friend is significantly lacking. Not true. Not so. Biblical friendship, which we're talking about this morning. Lasting, loving friendship is a very, very wonderful, powerful thing. It's something spoken of often in Scripture. But because of this devaluing of friendship, it's put a lot of pressure on Christian marriages to meet every relational need that a person has. And it's just not possible for that to happen. It's not possible for a husband to meet every relational need of his wife. It's not possible. I say this to the husbands. It's not possible for your wife to meet every relational need that you have. I would like to address all single adults here this morning for just a moment. You are not less because you don't have a singular romantic relationship. You're not missing out on something because you don't have that. Oh, I just wish I had this romantic relationship like so-and-so does. You're not less because you don't. You can be blessed abundantly with a multitude of satisfying, nurturing, and loving friendships. Obviously, when we speak of marriage, we're speaking of a husband and a wife in a biblical context. And that's our position, not because it's popular or unpopular, but because it's in God's word. So first, there is God. Then there is marriage. But thirdly, there is friendships. Now, when I say friendships, I'm speaking mainly of men with men and women with women, because that's obviously often the the safest route to go. I I don't, the majority of my close friends are not women. The majority of my close friends are men. 
And so when I think of friendship, I'm saying this, a unique same-sex relationship. Not 100% of the time, but mostly. Mostly. Where common interest and direction form a bond which stretches and satisfies both people. So again, in, in the context of what I'm speaking about here today, understanding that my wife cannot meet all of my relational needs and neither can I meet all of hers. When I'm thinking about friendship this morning, for the most part, for the most part, it's a unique same-sex relationship. Not 100% of the time, but mostly where common interest and direction form a bond which stretches and satisfies both people. If it's one way, it's not friendship. Did you hear that? If it's one way, it's not friendship. It's not always equal, but there must always be an exchange. It's not always 50-50, but there's always got to be some give and take if it is a real friendship. And so with that being said, I want to give you these five biblical uh, truths about friendship that we learn all throughout the book of Proverbs. And God lays them out. It's so clear. I didn't have to figure things out, make things up, give you my opinion. Scripture is clear on five specific things we can learn about biblical friendship from the book of Proverbs, making wise choices about friends. Are you ready? Number one, choose your friends carefully. Choose your friends carefully. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, let's go straight to the scripture. Proverbs 12, you're there, but it's on the screen as well. Verse 26, and it says this, the righteous, time out the righteous. Who are the righteous? Let's identify the righteous this morning as scripture does. These are those who are committed to Christ and his ways. So, the righteous, those committed to Christ, they are to choose their friends carefully. That's just what the righteous do. They're very careful about choosing their friends, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. So why is it important to choose your friends carefully? Here's why. Because the way of the wicked lead them astray. A modern proverb may say it like this. Bad company corrupts good morals. A modern proverb might say it like this. You are known by the company you keep. Exactly. So choose your friends carefully. Or else the wicked might lead you astray. So it's interesting. When I was preparing this message over the past couple of weeks, and I'm thankful that Scott preached last week, and God led him to continue the subject of Proverbs, or rather, a subject of wisdom using the book of Proverbs, which, uh, excuse me, using the book of James, which is a very important New Testament book that almost mirrors in some ways the book of Proverbs, and I'm grateful that we, we stayed right in that same subject. He did a great job. And so this morning, I want to just tell you what God let me do because I had more time to think and prepare and pray about the message. He let me think back to my past friends in high school and even in my youth group and, to be honest, even in college. And as I looked back and went where I went to school and youth group and all those that I went to school with, where they are at in life today, in almost every case, is directly related to the group or groups that they chose to associate themselves with. In almost every single case. To be honest, there are even people in this room. We have a, a man on our elder board named Tony Thomas, who I was sitting next to when I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. He was in school with me. He was assigned to sit next to me when I walked the aisle, trusted Christ. And now these 40 some odd years later, we are still sitting together in church. We chose our friendships. And as a result of that, we are in a place in life today because of those decisions. You see, you become like the people who you hang around with, and so you should choose your friends, or your friends will choose you. Isn't that what Scripture teaches us? To choose our friends carefully. Therefore, if we're to choose our friends, by the way, this is for any age, just in case sometimes we clock out because, oh, he's talking about friendships. Bless the young people's hearts. They need this. And yet I've seen many in their 40s and 50s and even later than that 
in a very bad place in life because of who they are with. Choose your friends carefully at any age. Make some deliberate choices. That's what choose means. Don't let a Christian school, a youth group, a family tie, uh, just because you work with that person, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden they are to be your best friends. You must make a deliberate choice. Think it through. Choose your friends carefully. Carefully meaning think it through. It's a big decision. It's huge. Because the way of the wicked will lead you astray. So how do you choose your friends? Let me give you four words that will help you to choose your friends. Ready for word number one? Here it is, eternity. By eternity, I mean this. Choose friends that are going where you're going. Because your closest friends should be. Closest friends should be born again, Bible-believing, fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Is that an overstatement? Hang on. I need you to listen oftentimes to the entire text of the point and, 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 and the entire narrative of the point to, for it to all make sense. Because I know that some of us already are thinking, well, Jesus was a friend of sinners. Don't leave them out. They're not fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And aren't you glad Jesus was a friend of them? He was a friend of, he tried to, you know, befriend me before I trusted him. I get it. I know that that's true. And by the way, I want to go on record as to saying we should have relationships with people who don't know the Lord. We should. We should. No question about it. In fact, that's how they come to know the Lord. Oftentimes because of a relationship that you're building with them. But don't miss this. We should not have people who do not know Christ to meet our friendship needs. It's just not wise. In fact, Amos chapter 3 verse 3 teaches us by saying that can two walk together? Rhetorical question here, except they be agreed. Yes or no? No. Two cannot walk together unless they be agreed. So therefore, we must choose our close friends who are going where we are going. This is a good opportunity for me to say a word to parents. Parents in this room who have children who are teenagers or young people who are in the sixth grade through the 12th grade, I want to plug our youth group for just a minute. I want to plug Madhouse. You say, man, that sounds like a crazy youth group. Yes and yes. Yes, they're crazy, but mad means making a difference. So they're crazy about making a difference. Amen? Making a difference. M-A-D. The Madhouse. That's what they call themselves. They do a great job of really making that the culture of their, of their group. And I'm grateful today that we have youth leaders who are sacrificing their time throughout the week, especially on Wednesday night. That's why we have a a children's ministry that every Wednesday night, by the way, it's amazing. We decided to start a children's ministry, which not many folks know about yet because we wanted to start small, right? We're thinking, hey, we're going to start a Wednesday night children's ministry. It'll be really small. All we're going to do is serve Scott Mercer's small group so that they can have their small group on Wednesday night. We'll take care of their kids. And then we'll take care of all the Madhouse teen workers' kids. That's all. That's 35. These people are having babies left and right. I mean, we just, I mean, it's crazy. So we got a nursery full of kids. We got a three or four classes that we serve on Wednesday nights. And I am privileged to serve in that ministry. Do you know why I serve in that ministry? Because I want those youth workers to be able to pour themselves into our teenagers. And they do. In fact, I got a good report last week that they're moving more into a culture of small group discussion and they're discussing some of the deeper things in life and what they're going through and some of the hardships of growing up in this world today. And understand that some of the small groups, though they were concerned about giving more time to kids opening up because kids don't open up, right? Wrong. Most of them had to be reminded it's 8 o'clock, you need to be dismissed because they were going over because the discussions were so rich. That's happening here on Wednesday nights. You better believe my wife and I are willing to serve in a children's ministry so people can, can have an opportunity to not have to be concerned about their kids running around and they can minister more clearly to young people who need mentoring. Our kids need a Christian peer group. And it's so important that they are a part of a youth group. And for the life of me, I would never understand why somebody would think anything could be more important on Wednesday nights than being a part of a Christian youth group. It's amazing. I grew up in that 
kind of an environment. I think I'm here today for many reasons, but one of those reasons would be because of the friends that God allowed, that he put in my life, friends that I chose through the church that I attended. Our kids need to prioritize biblical friendships as they seek to develop their own faith. So eternity, choose friends that are going where you're going. Number two, affinity. The word affinity, choose friends who not only are going where you're going, but they're doing what you're doing. Choose friends who have the same affinity. In other words, the, the, the passions, the things that they enjoy to do, the things that you do, the things that they do are the same things. I like to go to church with people that go to church. I enjoy my small group because my, my people in my small group understand a little bit about where we go to church together. We're doing the same thing. We've got the same passions. We're, 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 we're involved in the same projects. That's a great way to choose a friend. Eternity, they're going where you're going. Affinity, they're doing what you're doing. And then chemistry, they're feeling what you're feeling. They're feeling what you're feeling, you know? I mean, what moves their heart moves your heart. Oftentimes, you know, we have a, we have a, a passion for something. You, you put a bunch of people in one room, you give it 30 minutes, and you'll find people will all of a sudden start finding the people that have the same feelings and they're doing the same thing. You could do that with any age group. And within a few moments, it's amazing how people just sort of find a group that they relate to. Chemistry. And then finally, loyalty. Choose friends who are standing what you're standing for. In fact, one of the saddest verses in the Bible is 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, because Paul found himself in a really bad place. On the screen, the scripture says that at my first offense, no one came to stand by me. Paul found himself all alone. Where were his friends? Because a true friend walks in when everybody else walks out. Paul said, no one was there. No one stood by me. Everybody deserted me. How sad. No one was loyal. I often like to tell my friends, I'm with you right, wrong, or indifferent. And if we have a tough conversation about something going on in your life, you don't have to worry about me being so disappointed that I would walk out and say, well, I didn't know that about you. I'm out of here. No, no, that makes me love you more. And I hope that you would love me. Even if I made a mistake, even if I fell short, even if I was in a bad place. We need loyal friends. Loyal friends also who are fired up about what we're fired up about. Amen. I was with our staff this week at our staff retreat. It was fun. We went to the Southern Baptist Convention State off, uh, Headquarters in Little Rock. And they've got a beautiful building that is available to all churches that want to have like meetings, you know, and kind of get off their campus. And so we chose to do that. So we got off our campus. We go to Little Rock. We meet there from 8.30 to 5 o'clock this past Friday. And we got in a room with about 25, 26 of our church and school staff had lessons and passionate devotions and great discussions from our pastor and presentations. And it was awesome. And by the time I left, you know what I sensed with all 25, 26 of those people? That we were fired up about the same things. We are so excited about the school year. It wasn't down, depressed, discouraged. Yeah, school's starting. Yeah, I can't believe it. I'm, oh, I just wish we had another month of vacation. I didn't sense any of that. I mean, it wouldn't be a bad thing, but I'm just saying. I sensed that people were thrilled about, hey, we get to do this together. And I feel really good about what God is working in the hearts of our staff towards you and our church and our school. Choose your friends. Number two, love your friends. Love them. Love your friends. Look at Proverbs 17, 17 on the screen. It says a friend loves. He loves at all times. And a brother is even born, not a necessarily a blood brother, but a brother, a close friend, a friend just like a brother. He is born for adversity. So what is love? Let's discover that. Shall we identify what love is? Love is what? Love is 1 Corinthians 13, right? In fact, 1 Corinthians 13 gets a lot of airtime at weddings. And it should. It's a beautiful passage of Scripture, and it's a, it's a great passage for young Married people to hear, but it needs a little airtime in church too. So let's let's just define love by reading First Corinthians thirteen one through eight. 
If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love. I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers, understand all mysteries, all knowledge. If I have all faith, so as to remove mountains. In other words, I'm like super spiritual. But I have not love. I'm nothing. If I give away all that I have, I'm generous. I deliver up my body to be burned. I'm a martyr. But I have not love. I gain nothing. Love is patient. It's kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. It's not rude. It does not insist on its own way. Love is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never ends. Love never fails. That, my friends, is the biblical picture of love straight from the mouth of God. What I want to do is not try to go deeper into that, because who could improve on that? I just want to bring up a verse before all of that, and it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 31, where it says this, I'm going to show you, Paul says, a more excellent way. And sometimes we, we forget to read, because there were no chapter divisions in the original writings, and so as we, sometimes we have to do this. It's helpful to look at the before and the after. In this case, the before, Paul says, let me show you a more excellent way. Love. Love. Love is the more excellent way. Why is love the more excellent way? Why is it? Well, I think it has something to do with what Jordan reminded us of as he read that passage before the offering. It's better to give than to receive. Not just money, but isn't it wonderful to give love and to receive love? Have you ever noticed that when you're giving love, I'll give you an illustration. I go to Capacci's this week, and I'm going to have a conversation with a, a fellow pastor in town, right? So I go to the coffee shop. I meet the guy there from Encounter Church, pastor there. We, we have a great you know, time together. But before that, I wanted to get a drink. So I go to get my drink, and Katie's working. And Katie says, as I take out my debit card to pay, she says, I got this, pastor. I really, I got this. And and you're thinking what I said is no, Katie. You're not. I I'm paying for this. You're not paying for this. I'm paying for this. Don't even take my card right now. I didn't do that. I said thank you. And the drink tasted a lot better. It was delicious. I would get it again if she'd buy another one for. Just kidding. Just kidding. You know what Katie did? She did the more excellent thing. Now, I know we can be real funny with this and say, okay, pastor, so we got to buy everybody's drink at Starbucks this week or we got to buy everybody's... No, no. No, it's an illustration. You don't have to practice it by buying anybody a drink, but I can assure you one thing. When you serve others and love others, it is better. It's more excellent. It's amazing. I mean, love changes things. Love is the most excellent thing. Nothing is better than love. Notice again in Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 17, as we move more to an understanding of loving our friends, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. So how does a friend love? Let's, let's answer a class. A friend loves at all times. That's how a friend loves. He loves at all times. So Paul didn't have many friends, did he? He didn't. Paul didn't have many friends. Because we see Paul is in a place where he needs friends. What is the litmus test for friendship? Hardship. Difficult times. You want to know if you have a real friend? Go through a trial. Fail. Fall. Make a mistake. You'll find out 
who your real friends are because the litmus test for friendship are those things. It's not when the money is rolling in that you find out whether or not you have real friends. It's when you're having a hard time making ends meet that you find out if you have a real friend. It's not when the band is playing. It's when the music stops that you find out if you have a real friend. It's not when your popularity is soaring. It's when others are turning against you that you find out if you have a real friend. Love your friends. I love the last part of that verse. Proverbs chapter 17 on the screen again. Notice it says this, a friend loves at all times. Don't miss this. This is beautiful. A brother is born for adversity. In other words, I mean, look, look, I know you're going through a tough time. I know, I know, I know you're having a hard, I know you lost your job. I know you're struggling with your marriage. I know you're struggling with your children. I know you've made a mistake. I know you just lost your job. I know you don't know. Hey, don't you worry. I was born for this. I'm a friend. I'm with you right, wrong, or indifferent. You can't tell me anything that's going to run me off, buddy. You got me forever. I'm born for this. Let's go. I got you. Wow. I mean, how many friends do you have like that? A brother is born. He's born for. Choose your friends. Love your friends. Enjoy your friends. Enjoy them. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 9 says this. Oil and perfume make the heart glad. And the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. That word earnest is is key. I I didn't like the NIV on this one at all, and sometimes I'll reference other versions, but I noticed it left off the word earnest. I think it was that translation. I didn't like that because I really feel like that word earnest there is a very important word. It's not just counsel. It's soul talk. It's earnest counsel. It's deep conversation. I mean, this is someone you can bear your soul to. Real, true friends are people we can talk to about really hard stuff. That's what it's talking about. Sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Conversations that go deeper. I'm not talking about surface talk, like how's the weather? And did you go to the PTA meeting? And hey, did you know that Kroger's got a sale on cucumbers? That's good. I'm glad. Please let us know. We love cucumbers, but... I mean, come on. I had some really good talks this week, some heavy talks. I had, we had an elders meeting on Saturday and I told the guys, I said, man, this was a little bit of a, of a, of a hard week of really intense conversations where, man, I am so burdened for some families and for some people, just things they're going through. Yesterday was a day of a lot of hard conversations with the result of what happened in El Paso. And, and then this morning in Dayton, I mean, people are, are hurting, struggling, got questions. I want to be there for them. I want to be a real friend in those moments. Proverbs 27 verse 10 says this. Do not forsake your friend. Now, let's just stop there for a moment. Don't forsake your friend. Don't don't leave your friend. Don't walk away from your friend. If you have a genuine, real friend, hang on to that friend. That's what it's saying. Do not forsake. Hang on to a real friend because they are few and far between. So when you get one, don't let go. I remember uh, Jerry Falwell, who has been in heaven for probably 20 years now. I mean, I just remember hearing him one time when I was a kid preacher. I went to Little Rock and I heard this big heavyset preacher get up and make a statement that I've never forgotten. In fact, I've quoted it no less than a thousand times in my lifetime. I've just said it. I, I, I don't know if there's a week goes by, I don't say it to somebody. And here's what he said. He said, there are few forever friends. Few. Oh, there's friends for a season. Oh, there's friends for, you know, 
while I worked that job, when I went to that church, when I, you know, there was friends, you know, for, for, for a couple of weeks it lasted. Uh, I've got friends that I've had, but there are few friends that from the day I met to the day I died, they were my friends. Boy's right. Few forever friends. And then the Bible says, don't forsake your father's friends. Again, it says, don't forsake your friends or your father's friends. And I think what Scripture's teaching there is lifelong friendships, lifelong family friendships. Here's maybe a man whose dad has passed away, but his dad's friends are still alive. And they've been such good family friends that maybe the kids did not know them very well. But because dad's gone, hey, I want to get to know those people. Don't forsake your father's friends. Life, time, family, friends. Treasure them. Maintain them. Do not forsake your friends. I'm glad to be close to my blood brother. I only have one blood brother. I have stepbrothers and stepsisters. My mom and dad were divorced when I was a child, and they both got remarried. And um, I've got two stepbrothers from my mom's remarriage, and I have... uh, Three, two stepbrothers and a stepsister on my stepmom's side when my dad remarried. So I've got a lot of steps, but I've only got one blood brother. He lives in Las Vegas, pastors a church there, started a church there, and pastored it for about three, four years, and then recently was asked to take over a mega church running 3,000 people with four campuses. I'm preaching for him in about three weeks in Las Vegas. It's a very heavy responsibility, and he asked me to come and just uh, preach and help him through some tough things that a mega church goes through that I've really, I've never pastored a church that big, so I wouldn't know. But he's my only blood brother, and I love him. Plus, I'm going to Las Vegas to have a good time. Just kidding! Just kidding! Just kidding. No. I love my blood brother. He is probably my my best friend. But I want to talk to you about, as I close that thought, I want to, I want to talk to you about what Jesus said. I want to tell you how much you mean to me. Everybody in this room. Matthew chapter 26. Jesus said this. It's a conversation. Matthew 12 verse 46. I'm sorry. Listen to this conversation. Are you ready? This is Jesus. While he was still speaking to his church family, his people. Behold, his mother and his brother were outside. Hey. Get Jesus. I'm his mother. And I'm his brother. And we want to talk to him. So, 47. But he replied to the man who told him, Who is my mother? And who are my brothers? Jesus is teaching something here. And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. Jesus was teaching something very important for all of us to understand. And that is this, that there is a bond in Christian fellowship. There is a bond in small groups. There is a bond in a church family that exceeds oftentimes even in depth and quality family relationships. You need to know this morning how much I love you and how much I've been here for 27 years. This is not just some sort of little, you know, passing through thing for me. This is not like my 10th or 12th church. And no, God's called me here and you're my best friends other than really my brother, my wife, my kids, my grandkids. Honestly, you're it. The best friends I have in the world, the depth, the quality, the relationship I have with you is so strong. So many of you, we need each other. We need a church family. If you're not in a small group, you need to be in one. There's something about a group of 10, 12, 14 people. By the way, if you're 20, 25, somebody step up and split that thing. Get smaller so you can get more intimate. Because this is important that we are, that we're close. And sometimes even closer than our own families. Enjoy your friends. Number four, protect your friends. Now, when I say protect your friends, I'm not talking about, okay, everybody get a concealed weapon. 
Let me show you what I'm talking about. Here it is. I'm going to read you Proverbs chapter 16, verse 28 on the screen. It says, a dishonest man, maybe your translation, which I think this might be a little better. It says perverse. If yours says perverse, I like that one probably the best after just studying different translations. But a perverse man spreads strife or a dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. Protect your friends. Okay, so here's somebody who is trying to hurt my friendship with Vince. I'm close friends with Vince. I mean, we're, we're, we love each other. But there's somebody, Vince, he's a perverse man, and he's spreading strife. He's trying to get you and I to split up. He's trying to come between us with some lies. He's planting seeds in your mind, or maybe in mine, of doubt. I wonder if Pastor really is or Vince really is. I want, And so all of a sudden, he's whispering these seeds of doubt that begin to spread if we're not careful, if we don't protect our friendship. Solomon says, watch out for the perverse person out there who delights in separating not just friends, but what? Close friends. Close friends. And they're subtle about it. They whisper. It's not like out there. It's not, it's not super loud. It's just, it's subtle. It's a whisper. This verse is here for the person who wants to protect their friendships. It's definitely not for the perverse person or the dishonest man. He, he doesn't care. I mean, he's not convicted. He's not saying, oh, I, I need to stop doing this. No, this is for the person who has a close friend and wants to protect that relationship so it can become a forever friendship. I don't have this in your notes, but I'm going to give you four forms of strife. Are you ready for this? The first form of strife is a bad report. A bad report. Did you hear about? How about this? Vince, it's none of my business, but let me tell you why it's my business. Be careful about people that come up to you, these whispers, these perverse, dishonest people that say, it's none of my business, but. Right there. Stop. Hey, listen, if it's none of yours, it's probably none of mine. How's the weather? Half-truths. Another form of strife. Half-truths. Did you hear why? No, I haven't heard. Well, let me tell you. Or what about? uh, Well, did you hear why? No, I didn't. Well, I didn't either, but I think... Exaggerations, small little truths. I mean, there's some truth to it. Small little truths that get expanded and become large lies. Exaggerations. And then finally, motive assessments. Four forms of strife. Do you know why she did that? No, I really don't know why she did that. I want to tell you why I think she did it. So how do I protect a friendship? Well, let's go to Proverbs 17, 9 to get the answer. It's right there. It says, Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter, uh-oh, separates close friends. Here we are back to the close friendship. So we've got two ways to protect our friendship. So you ready for this? According to that verse, way number one is this. Stop the repetition. Stop repeating it. Question, do bad reports stop with you or do they just travel on? Do they just keep going? Stop the bad Report. Stop the repetition. Here's a way to stop it. Somebody says something and just ask this question. Why are you telling me this? Why are you telling me this? Usually that's all you have to say. Number two, cover the transgression. Cover it. Now, Please remember what I said earlier. We're talking in context. I hope no one would think that I'm talking about someone who is abusive or someone who is hurting a child or abusive to their spouse. We're not talking about covering covering criminal acts and covering... I'm simply talking about friendships in light of the fact that many things that we are covering, transgressions we are covering, pay close attention because we'll, we'll... I think you'll understand in just a moment that scripture is very clear in what happens when it is true. But just for a moment, someone comes to me and says, did you hear that Vince? Did you hear that Vince? As soon as I hear that, did you hear about Vince? Did you hear about, man, he, uh, excuse, I, I don't want to hear it. 
But no, I mean, I'm telling you, I don't want to hear it. Vince is my friend. I don't want to hear it. I don't, I don't really care to hear it. I, I, I just, thank you, but no thank you. You know. And I don't want to hear it. I'm going to cover that transgression. I, I'm going to try to avoid a conversation that's going to lead me into some criticism towards a friend. So then you ask, what if it's true? Well, if it's true, I'm still going to defend Vince. In, outwardly, I'm going to defend you. But inwardly, I'm going to do number five to be a real friend. Protect your friends, but correct your friends. Number five, correct your friends. So outwardly, I'm going to defend Vince, but then I'm going to go to Vince because that's exactly what Scripture teaches. To go to your brother. Let me give you a verse, Proverbs 27, 6. We're almost closing. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. But let's cover that last part of the verse before we go to cover the first part. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Have you ever heard this? Yeah, they're just kissing up. That's where it comes from. It comes from the Bible. Kissing up is something enemies do. Wait a minute. You mean like when somebody only gives me compliments? Yeah, they're an enemy. When all they do is tell me how great I am and how wonderful I am and I never make a mistake and I'm so awesome and I'm so beautiful and I'm just so wonderful and I'm so this and I'm so, yeah, yep, 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 beware of that person. Mm-hmm. Yep, I could. I enjoy a compliment every now and then, but a real friend is not going to kiss up to me. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 14 says it like this. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice, always blessing his neighbor, always saying something good, always saying something positive, never, never, never approaching his neighbor about any problem at all, just blessing, blessing, positive, positive, kissing up, kissing up. He rises early in the morning, but he's going to be counted as a cursing. Beware of someone who all they do in front of you is tell you how great you are. Trust me, that will eventually become a curse. So what am I saying? Back to Proverbs 27, 6 is what I'm saying. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. That's what I'm saying. Faithful. Who else is faithful? God. So when I say the word faithful, that's one of God's greatest attributes. Faithfulness. So a true friend is willing to wound a true friend. The faithful wounds of a true friend are contrasted by the phony compliments of a false friend. This is the friend that loves his friend enough to say whatever he needs to say, even if he's hated for saying it. Even if he's hated for saying it. He's willing to say it because he loves his friend that much. I think one of the things that's lacking in friendships is this this comfortableness of, of being able to approach each other with a concern or with an issue or a problem. Hey, have you got a minute? Could we talk about this? Could we? Could I just share something with you that concerns me? And I don't know that that may be why we don't have very many true forever friends is because we're avoiding this part of true friendship and its faithful wounds. Proverbs 27, 17 says it like this. Iron sharpens iron. You know, I decided to go ahead and study that a little bit. I've, I've, I've quoted that verse a million times, but I think I always just like to talk about soul man sharpens the counsel of a friend, countenance of a friend. You know, that sounds nice, doesn't it? But what about the iron sharpeneth iron? Does that sound nice? That does not sound really fun to me. When iron is sharp, when you take iron and sharpen it, what, what, what happens? Sparks fly. So I'm, I'm looking at this more as an example now, like, okay, so when iron sharpens iron and sparks fly and disagreement or maybe confrontation or whatever happens, wait a minute, that's a good thing? Uh-huh. It's good. It's good when a man and a man or a woman and a woman get together as friends and they work things out. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes somebody raises their voice and we have to say, hey, you're raising your voice. Okay, you know, you ever done that? You ever argued with your spouse like that? And ever, ever argued with, with a friend over maybe, you know, who the best player is in the NBA? You say, that's silly. Exactly. I know friends that split up over silly things. But iron sharpens iron. So at the end of that conversation, there's a hug and there's a man, I love you. And I know maybe we're 
struggling in this area, we agree to disagree in this area, or you're a Baptist and I'm a Methodist, but you know what? At the end of the day, we're both going to heaven. I love you. That would have been a good place for an amen right there. You know, Methodists go to heaven. You know that, don't you? Amen. Hallelujah. That's right. Man, if I would have listened to what some of those crazy preachers were saying, I would have cut off my dad because he's a Catholic. I mean, they said every Catholic's dying and going to hell and splitting hell wide open and Catholics can't be saved. I used to hear that stuff and think, oh, Lord have mercy, my dad, can I even be his friend? But I'm so thankful I came to the place where I left, not radical Islam, but close to it. A radical type of preaching that says you cannot be friends with people who don't agree with you. Aren't you glad we've learned you can be friends with somebody Sparks may fly a little bit. There may not be total agreement. But if we agree that Jesus Christ is Lord of all and died on the cross to save us from our sins, can we be friends? Can we be friends? Amen. I don't care what denomination you are, if you believe that. And I always struggle with that. I grew up. In fact, my dad and I had a, about three years where, where he, he said, son, you're not kind to me. You're not. And I was just doing what I was told to do, even in my own family. I was, I was confused about the wounds of a friend, about conversations that are different, but it's okay. We don't have to agree to be friends. We don't have to be twins to be brothers. Amen. So we learn what real friendship is. Choose your friends. Love your friends, enjoy your friends, protect your friends, correct your friends. Man, preacher, I don't know about this. I don't think I can do that. I'm not sure I have the ability to be that kind of a friend. Neither do I. <laughs> really? Yeah, I'm, 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 I have failed miserably at most of those at times. You say, wow, you're going to end like this? No, 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 I'm not. Don't worry. If you've been at our church, you know that I never end on a negative note, Ever. 27 years and 10,000 sermons always end on a positive note. Can I tell you that I can't be that kind of a friend? In fact, do you know what I often tell people before they join our church? Just so you know, don't join if you need a perfect preacher. It ain't happening. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to forget your birthday sometimes. I'm not going to say hi in the hallway. Just give me the whole list. I'll check them all off. I'm going to fail at some point in several areas because I'm, I'm just not a perfect friend. I try. I, I really do try. I work at it. I want to be, but I, I, I am not the perfect friend. But I can tell you someone who is. And I want to show you this last verse, Proverbs 18, 24. It says this. One who has an unreliable friend soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Can I tell you who that friend is? Everybody agrees in the New Testament church that the friend that sticks closer than the brother is Jesus. Jesus is that friend who will never let you down. He will forgive your sin. He'll save your soul. He'll save you and keep you saved forever. This is a friend that will never lie to you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Sometimes I can fail at those things. Sometimes I'm not the best preacher. I'm not the best friend. I'm not the best dad. I'm not the best husband. But there is a friend and his name is Jesus. And he is all of that and more. Question, do you know him? That last statement, you don't have the capacity to be the friend that God wants you to be without the grace and strength of Jesus Christ. We disappoint our friends. But what a friend we have in Jesus. All. Our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry. Everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace. We often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Do you know Jesus? Do you have a personal relationship with my best friend? 
He's never let me down. He died for my sins. He died on a cross. He came down here sinless and lived a sinless life and gave his life for me so that I could be set free from my sin and have an eternity in heaven. I've never met a friend like this. I've never had a friend like Jesus. There's not a friend like Jesus. I think I'm a decent friend. I try, but I can assure you, Jesus doesn't have to try. He's perfect. And he loves you and he died for you. And if you do not know him as your savior, I would like to invite you to make him your friend today. And you can do that by simply putting your faith and trust in him, turning to him, asking him to forgive you of your sins, come into your heart, save you today. That can happen in this service, after this service. You might come up to me after the service and say, preacher, You were telling me about this Jesus that can save me. Could I find out more about that? That's perfect. That's great. I would love for you to do that. I'll be here. I'll stay here. I'll I'll not leave right after the last song. I want to take the time to introduce you to my friend. My friend Jesus. He's awesome. He's the best. He's the greatest. He is a forever friend. And so in just a moment, we're going to pray and stand and worship. But if you need to come and pray or pray where you're seated, or if you need someone to pray with you, you feel liberty to to come to the front and let me know or us know how we can help and pray with you. If not, just take some time, worship and pray and sing this amazing hymn with us. Father, I love you. I thank you, God, for this service and for the liberty you gave me to share some really important things from the word of God. I think we quoted nearly 20 verses this morning, 20 scriptures that, and there's so many more. There's probably three times that many on friendship. What a subject. God, may we listen to your word. May we be willing to choose our friends, love our friends, enjoy our friends, protect our friends, correct our friends. And God, when we fail, when we fall short, thank you. Thank you for being a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I love you, Jesus. You're a wonderful God. Bless our invitation. Just a short time of response. Please move and work in Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we stand together?